0: Guys, it's great to see you, and as I said, Happy New Year. Has anyone broken any New Year's resolutions yet? You just didn't bother making any this time, Time, right? Okay. Just be real, shall we? (laughs) It's a time time for new beginnings. I've read an interesting comment on Facebook from a number of people this last week or so. Happy New Year, and let's make this the best one yet. I'm not quite sure what that means. But it's interesting, and it's obviously a, a time of hope it's obviously a time for some people for new beginnings. And maybe you've had a great Christmas and New Year season. Maybe you've been able to chill out with your family or your close friends and party on. Maybe you've got some exciting plans. Or maybe for this year, it's sort of like, okay, it's another new year. And the sort of excitement of Christmas and the holiday season fades away. And, you know, what are we left with? I don't know. Hopefully we're going to talk into that this morning. As a church, we do have some exciting plans for this term. Um, as I've already said, next week we're going to do this Thanksgiving service and uh, and we'd love to hear some testimonies and should just share testimonies for no other reason than just to give God glory. We're not doing this because we want to try and get something, we just want to give God glory. Um, in a couple of weeks' time we're starting a brand new sermon series called Knowing Our Authority and Calling. It's a really good one. Those of you who've been around a little while might remember the old Living Free course. Do you remember that? And this takes the best of the material of the Living Free course, adds a little bit extra in, adapts it. Brian has worked really hard on putting this together along with Paul. And this is an eight-week series. It's a pretty pretty full-on one. And uh, and it's it's a brilliant follow-on from the material that we look at in Freedom in Christ. Many of you have done Freedom in Christ over the last uh, term or previously. Um, It's going to form eventually the next course that's going to be the follow-on course of Freedom in Christ. But we thought the material was so good that we wanted to do it all together. And so in a couple of weeks' time, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to kick off that, uh, that sermon series in a couple of weeks. Uh, also in two weeks' time in the evening um, is the uh, annual uh, unity service that we do with uh, all of the other churches in Winchester. That's going to be at the cathedral. Some of you may, come, may have come last year. Last year, John Mumford, the, the leader of the Vineyard Movement, was our guest speaker. Um, in a couple of weeks' time, it's a lady called Paula Gooder, who's a really, um, uh, within the Anglican uh, movement particularly. She's a really recognized um, sort of theologian and speaking a lot of really good things. And she's going to be the guest speaker. We're going to be involved. Um, so that's going to be great. And then in the in the middle of February, we're going to take a break in our eight-week series. We're going to do four weeks, have a break and do four weeks more. And in that break, we're welcoming uh, a couple called Trevor and Linda Galpin, who work for Father's Heart Ministries. Um, now, I haven't met them, but they're friends of Edwards. He's Swears to me that they're good people. And, um, I've heard about them and read about. Them. Where are you, Edward? Yeah, there you are. Great. He tells me that they're amazing people. I've heard all about Father's Heart Ministry and the message that these people carry. And it's a real, uh, do you know, this is the only date in their diary for the whole of 2015 that they could come and, uh, come and be with us, which is amazing, isn't it? So they're coming in February. Um, the op- the, it's really, the aim is just to take our relationship with the Father deeper. And we're going to run it over a weekend. We're going to run Friday night. We're going to run Saturday morning and Saturday nights, hoping to arrange some children's program sessions in order to make it as accessible as possible for everyone to attend. So that's going to be a really exciting thing. Then on the 8th of March, we're planning a Sunday out in the community. This is brand new. Okay, we won't be meeting as a church here that day, although there'll be something happening here, possibly a car wash. Not quite sure yet but we're going to put ourselves out into about six or eight different projects all around the place and just go and serve the community. Okay? If you've got an idea about what you want to do in your area on that day, be thinking and praying about that. We'll give you more information. So there's some exciting plans, even just coming up to Easter. And in the midst of that, we also have some specific prayer needs and some specific prayer issues. One of them is that we're, as you know, recruiting for a new assistant pastor who is going to take responsibility for children's and youth teams. Uh, we've already had some applications. Uh, we've got another couple of weeks before the deadline uh, for that. We are really praying that God brings us the right person, that God shows us who the right person is, not just a really good children's worker, not just a really good youth worker, someone to actually come and help us oversee our one, and develop our wonderful existing children's and youth teams. Now, there is a specific need here. And uh, I can tell you this because Jo isn't here because she's upstairs with the kids. She's currently overseeing the children's team and has been for about a year. But primarily she's called as a senior pastor, not as a children's pastor. And so that's quite a challenge. And doing that job doesn't really give her the time to do the job that I think God's really called her to. And that's something that we've been wrestling with and thinking about over the last year or so. I say that. It doesn't give her the time to do it and stay sane anyway. Um, and that's speaking as her husband, not as the pastor of the church. Um, but this isn't me complaining, but there's, there's a biblical principle here, isn't there? About just uh, delegating and finding the right people and looking for people to raise up, which is something we've, we've tried to do throughout our lives, actually, throughout our ministry and since we started here. And this is just something we've been praying about for about a year, over a year now. Who is the right person? Who does God want to bring? And so it's not that we lack vision or commitment for our young people. We've got plenty of vision for youth. Excitingly, um, Laura and myself and um, maybe one or two other people are going to start a Freedom in Christ course for the youth next Friday night, starting next Friday night. We've got loads of vision for our kids. You may have been here just before Christmas, a couple of weeks before Christmas, when Joe got a couple of the kids up and they shared about how they'd been out on the streets doing treasure hunting. Do you remember that? And, and to be honest, they were great and they spoke really well. It's quite nervous being a kid being in front of all these people. Okay? There are two things there, two exciting challenges For us to think about and pray about as a church. Be praying about who God's bringing. And also, are you part of the solution for that? So all of that's in the mix. And then last week, um, Joe and I were up in Birmingham seeing some friends. And we were praying with our really close and good friends. uh, A couple called Simon and Keeley. They've been here before. They're coming back here actually in March this year. And we were praying for each other. And um, as we were praying, Simon has this word for me. And he shares a Bible verse with me, a Bible passage with me. And he said, I think God is saying this. And as soon as he shared it, I knew it was a word for us, for us and for this church. Um, And it comes from Genesis 28, and I'd love us to read it and explore it a bit this morning. So if you've got a Bible, um, why don't you turn to Genesis 28. We're going to read from verse 10. This is the story of Jacob, Jacob as a young man. And it's a story of an encounter that he has with God in the midst of his journey away from his homeland, towards his uncle's land. I'll give you the background to the passage in a minute, but let's just read it together first. It's from 28 chapter, uh, chapter 28, verse 10, and I'm going to read through to verse 16, uh, 17. Jacob, it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place? There is none. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And uh, as my friend read this to me, I just knew that the Lord was speaking through this. I just knew that as well as Jacob, this is something the Lord wanted to say to us. The perspective of looking back on how it was. But it's never easy when you're right in the middle of it. Because you genuinely can't see what's coming next. That's why it's called a journey of faith. But this incident does show, this passage does show that God was with him. And despite all of the hassle that Jacob's running away from, God has his hand on Jacob's life. And he has a plan for him. Do we know that God is on our case? Do we know that he has a plan for us? Despite what our circumstances seem to be saying. Do we know that? Do we really know that? I mean, God isn't a control freak, and he has given us free will. He can't control people's choices, but he can, I firmly believe, turn any situation around. Jeremiah 32 says, since verse 17, Sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm, and nothing is too hard for you. Paul, in Romans 8:28, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God has a plan. God has a plan for Jacob, and he has a plan for each of us. And how does that work? Well, I believe the first thing that happens is it starts with an encounter with God. And that's what's happening here. Jacob is encountering God's presence. In his case, it's a dream. I'm not sure how well I'd sleep with my head on a rock, to be honest. But maybe, they, I don't know, maybe they didn't do pillows back in those days. Anyway, this is, the way that God is speaking to Jacob is in a dream. Now, you know that there are a whole host of ways that God can speak to us. A dream is just one of them. Sometimes somebody just gives us a word out there, just speaks straight into our situation, just like my friend last week. Sometimes it's in quietness. Perhaps it's through the words of a song. Perhaps it's when someone steps up to pray for us. But anyway, in this circumstance, God spoke to Jacob through a dream. This is verse 10. It says, verse 11, he reached his place. He stopped for the night because the sun had set. He puts his head down and goes to sleep and he has a dream. And in the dream, Jacob sees this amazing picture. And it says a ladder. But it can also be translated as a stairway. A stairway resting on the earth with its top going up to heaven. I mean, it sounds like something out of a pantomime, doesn't it? And the angels of God are descending and ascending on it. What, an, what a fantastic picture. I'm very sorry, I didn't have time to Google it this morning. But, you know, you can look on the internet. There'll be Many people have sort of tried to draw this and sort of create a picture that looks like this. This is a picture, for me, of an encounter between earth and heaven. This stairway is like a bridge between us and God. And it shows that just like back in the Garden of Eden, God is still committed to making the earth a place where he wants to dwell. Just like right back at the beginning, God wants to dwell with his people on the earth. That's what he does. Later on, he instructs his people to first build a tabernacle and then a tent sorry, a tabernacle is a tent, and then a temple where God's presence can specifically dwell on earth and be with his people. God's heart is to be with his people. His heart is for his presence to be here. And this is a really good way of God getting Jacob's attention, isn't it? It's a very vivid picture. I want this to be a place where my presence dwells. And I wonder how we best... Make space for God's presence to dwell with us. I wonder how that works for each of us. How how do we make space to really hear his voice? I mean, never mind what he actually says. This, let's just start here, the encounter part. Are we encountering God for ourselves? Are we looking to, for that to happen? If God wanted to attract our attention and speak to us, how hard would he have to work? What does he have to get through? Is it our diary? Is it our family? Is it our work? I don't know about you, but I have been, as I always do when it comes to a holiday season, reflecting on my life, what's working well and what's not working so well. And I've come to the conclusion that Facebook isn't helping me very much. It's not helping me very much because it's going, it's it, it's becoming quite a huge distraction. Now, I'm not down on Facebook. It's just like everything; it's got its good bits and its bad bits. There are some real positives about it, but for me, I found over the Christmas holidays, i you know, when I'm tired and I can't really bother, bother to think about doing something positive, it's a very easy escape. Now, maybe you have a different escape. But that's what it is for me. Such to the point where I decided, can I manage without this? I don't know. Yet. I think I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a month or two and see, see what happens. I'm not getting, You hear me right, don't you? I'm not down on that. I'm just down on anything that's stopping me connecting with God. What is it for you? What would God have to do to attract your attention in order to speak to you? Would it be easy because you're just always there in his presence? Or would it be more difficult? Now, this isn't meant to be a, you know, this isn't meant to be a whipping thing. This isn't meant to be a discipline thing. But just the question. How would God be able to attract my attention if He wanted to speak to me and encounter Him? How could I encounter His presence? Somebody told me—I knew about it already—but a couple of people have mentioned to me the uh, the Bible in One Year app. If you've got a phone that you use, it's a really good way. It's a Nicky Gumbel thing. He's the guy who leads the Alpha course and Ho Chinsy Brompton. I made a start. I'm only half a day behind, so I'm getting good. Not doing so badly. <laughs> I'm I'm up for it this year. I I heard about it too late last year, and for some reason I couldn't start. (laughs) Anyway, I'm there today. If anybody wants to do the Bible in a year with me, I'm up for being um, accountable for that. I'm going to do it this year. Never done it before. Tried once or twice, failed. (laughs) But anyway, it's not about legalism. But what are we doing to make sure that we're encountering God's presence? What are we doing to make sure that we're making space? In Jacob's case, he lay his head down to sleep, and God's 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 there, speaking in his dreams. And then let's look at the things that God actually said specifically. So there's firstly the encounter, and then there's the specific words that God speaks. This is verse 13. It says, there above this ladder, although the scholars do argue that you could argue that Jacob didn't see God up in heaven. He saw him on earth with him. But anyway, God's there, and he's speaking. There above it stands the Lord, and he says... I am the Lord, your God, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. And here's the promise. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying now. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and the east, the north and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go and i will bring you back to this land and i will not leave you until i've done what i promised anybody up for that i love that yes please what's god specifically saying he's promising land physical space he's promising multiple generations of descendants fruitfulness he's promising promising growth and multiplication and he's promising blessing And it's not just a blessing for Jacob and his people. It's a blessing for the whole earth through Jacob and his family and his descendants. That's a pretty hectic promise, isn't it? Come on, people, you could even get excited about that. What an amazing promise. And it's not just to Jacob. I really believe that's to us. Are you taking that? I'm taking that. I'm claiming that. I am having that because I believe that's what God is saying to us. He has huge plans, huge plans for each of us, huge plans for his people, huge plans for his church, huge plans for Winchester and this country and this world, huge plans for the surrounding areas, for many descendants, spiritual descendants, physical descendants, for multiplication, for growth and for blessing. And it's not just on us, it's on the people all around us. I mean, how incredible is that? That's fantastic. I really take that, and I accept it. And on your behalf, I'm having that for this church. Okay? The Lord is sovereign here. He's sovereign here. And what's more, this isn't new. He said it before. Because before I even moved here, when Joe and I were praying, what are you saying, God, what are you are saying? Deuteronomy 31.7, this verse, underlined in my Bible, because it's what God spoke to me about when we came here. Then Moses summoned Joshua. And says to him, in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. Okay, and I turn back even further to a prophecy that was given to this church by a lady called Isabel Allam in 2009. I'm just going to read read it for you how it was written here. There will be a time when there will be a complete inhabitation in this place, when the glory of God will be so strong that even day and night will be found, when the smoke will fill the temple and the presence of the Lord himself will walk among his people. When people will say, I just saw him, he just touched me. And the Lord says, this is still Isabel Allen, the Lord says word is going to spread that this is a place where old promises can be restored, where old visions can be restored and where people can believe again. And just one more that she said, the place of believing, again, is going to cause the walls of this place to burst open because the Lord is saying there is expansion coming. Even the walls of this house, because there is going to be... There is going to be many more there are going to it's not very good grammar, is it? There are going to be many more who need to come. Make room for them. Make room. This is two thousand and nine. So if the Lord is speaking this word to us today, which I really believe he is, it's just a reminder that he hasn't changed his mind from what he spoke about before. That he still has fantastic plans for this church, for each of us. No matter what we might believe, what circumstances we might find ourselves in, no matter whether we feel it or we don't feel it, it doesn't matter whether we like the worship or we don't like the worship, it doesn't matter whether we're grumpy or we're not grumpy, it doesn't matter whether our marriage is falling, it doesn't matter whether our marriage is falling apart or it's not falling apart, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if our kids are rebelling or whatever, I mean, of course that stuff matters, but if God is speaking, then God is speaking, right? And we have to hold on to that. And that's what the Lord's saying. And at the start of the new year, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. Can you tell? thank you you know me i'm not really a pentecostal anyway um the lord is speaking to us in the same way as the lord was speaking to jacob and for jacob just like for us the lord's words echo loudly the promises that he's already made to jacob's father and grandfather You can read them in Genesis 12. The Lord says to Abraham, to your offspring, I will give this land. Genesis 13, uh, verse 14, 16. Listen to this. The Lord said to Abraham, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, north, south, east and west, for all the land that you'll see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. And I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if no one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can be counted. He already gave that word to his grandfather. He already gave it to his father, Isaac, in Genesis 26. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. I will give to you, I will give to your offspring all of these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. All the same promises. All the same promises. And despite Jacob's horrendous, messy situation that he's running away from, God is still restating faithfully the promises that are over his life and over his family and over his generation. And in the midst of Jacob's turmoil and his difficulty, when he does not know what the future is looking like, God is there speaking faithfully, graciously, reminding him of the promises. Now, I've reminded you of the promises God has for us as a church but he has promises for each of us individually as well. What are the promises that God has made over you and your family? What are the dreams that God has given to you? Just take a minute now. Just think about that. What dreams has he spoken? over? What words has he spoken over your life? That, haven't, that you haven't yet seen fulfilled. What has God said? And by the way. I would make a distinction this is a little aside between sort of dramatic words that may you may have heard once and might seem a bit random and consistent themes that god has spoken about over sometimes god really does speak dramatically and that's great and that's wonderful but usually it lines up with what he's talking about in the bible and what he's already saying the things that god has spoken to you over months and years what are the words And what circumstances are we going through right now where we need to hear again the promises of God? Through the Bible, through our journal, through the encouragement of the community of believers around us. God is speaking. He spoke to Jacob. He's speaking to us. And the third thing that Jacob does is he makes a response. So the first thing is the encounter. The second thing is the promises. And the third is the response. And if you read from verse 16, you can read about what Jacob's response was. It says this, Jacob awoke from his sleep and he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. (laughs) Surely an understatement, if ever I've heard one. (laughs) And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome. (laughs) He was afraid. This is a bit more like it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? How awesome is this place? There is none other than the house of God. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now that language, the house of God, that's a Hebrew thing. The gate of heaven, that's more of an Eastern religion thing. That's where that phrase comes from. But it's interesting that he uses it. This is the gate of heaven. This is where I'm connecting with God. And early the next morning, Jacob took a stone that he placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar. What kind of a stone was that? And he, and he poured oil on top of it. And he called the place Bethel, though the city actually used to be called Luz. And then Jacob made a vow, verse 20. And he said, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey that I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a tenth. So Jacob makes a response. He makes a response to God. I think he did three things in this response. The first thing he did is he recognized God's presence. Surely the Lord is in this place. The second thing is he acknowledged God's voice. And he actually recorded it. Now, for me, I would just write it in my little journal. Nothing so dramatic. For him, he decided to make a pillar and pour oil over it. But that was the way that he recorded. This is the place that God spoke. This is the place that God spoke to me. However we do it, we need to record it when God speaks. And the third thing is that he chooses to trust and commit to God. Despite actually not knowing all the answers. Now, if you know the story of Jacob, which we're not going to go into, there's a whole 14 years to go before he can come back and start to see that thing realized. But at this point, he chooses to trust God as best as he can. It's really interesting. If you read the backgrounds of this, the the setting up of a pillar and the consecrating it with oil It's quite an interesting thing because it's not building an altar. Which is what you might have expected. It's a further indication, perhaps, that Jacob hasn't actually fully accepted the Lord as his God yet. This is what my theological Bible notes say. And actually, again, the conditional nature of his vow. Do you remember, do you realize, in 20 and 21 he says, he says, if... God will be with me and watch over me and look after me. Then he will be my God. So Jacob actually puts a condition on his, on his response, which is interesting, isn't it? And God accepts that anyway. It seems. And actually later on, Jacob has another encounter with an angel 14 years later where God fully reveals himself again. And at that point, Jacob makes this further declaration and builds an altar and says, this is the house of God. So even though Jacob, in Jacob's mind, he was making a conditional response. Well, okay, if you're there, God, if you look after me and if you do this for me, now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that that's what we should do, but I think it's interesting that God honors him that anyway. And clearly this is a staging post on Jacob's journey. It's not the done deal yet. It's not the done deal, but it is a staging post. And as best as he can, he acknowledges God's presence, he acknowledges God's word, and he pushes into what God's got for him next, as best as he can. There's an encounter, there's a promise, and there's a response. And I don't know about you, but at the start of the new year, for me, new years always feel like a bit of a staging post. It's an opportunity to stop and reflect. At some point in the next week, I will look back over my journal for the whole of last year, And maybe the year before, I'll just spend 20 minutes reading through it and talking to God about it and seeing what he's saying. It's a staging post. And I don't know where you're at. And I don't know what God is saying to you, but I would encourage all of us that here's an opportunity to push back into God's presence. And if you don't feel like you're up to much, that's not true. I found this, funnily enough, on Facebook. Somebody had posted it. Let me read it to you. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. Now, now no more excuses, it says here. This morning we sang, who puts our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? We also sang, no power of hell or scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Jesus is the key to us connecting with God. He actually, in the book of John, Jesus actually identifies himself as a ladder linking heaven to earth. Just like Jacob's ladder. He says it in John 1, 51. Truly I say to you, this is Jesus, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God descending, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I am that ladder. That's what he's saying. I am that ladder, the bridge between heaven and earth. And Jesus has plans for all of us, whatever our circumstances are and however dreadful they seem. We only have one decision to make. The decision is to choose to follow him. That's not an easy decision. It might be the costliest, hardest thing we've ever had to choose. But whatever it means, whatever the cost, that's the decision. Are we following Jesus in 2015 or aren't we? We celebrated his birth. We had some lovely candle. we still got the decorations up. We had some brilliant lighting, sung some great songs. And we celebrated all of that, the light that came into the world. We gave thanks for it. We worshipped him. But now we've got to encounter him ourselves. However hard we find life, however distractible we find ourselves, the only answer is Jesus. Why don't we stand together? And we have some time to just invite the Spirit to come. So let's just be quiet and let's wait on him. Let's invite his presence to come. He's here. We welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Thank you for your presence with us. We praise you. And we acknowledge your love and your presence with us today, your faithfulness to us. We acknowledge your words and your promises to us. And we acknowledge our need of you. And now, Holy Spirit, come. All on us, we pray. We love your presence, Lord. We love your presence. Come, Father, we pray. And there's no rush, there's no hurry. We've got 10 minutes before we have to pick up any children. Only plenty of time for the Lord to minister to us and for us to respond to him.
1: Ever since I came here this morning I had a a phrase going through my mind which was strength for today and hope for tomorrow and uh, I really felt it linked into what Nigel was sharing and just to really encourage you wherever you may be just that there is strength, God's strength for today and hope for tomorrow and as Nigel was speaking the phrase that really struck me in my mind was Jacob saying surely God is in this place and i really felt like god wanted to encourage people that whatever place situation you may be in god is saying i am there mm. i am there with you mm. and to encourage you in in that so if that really speaks to you just kind of really just press into that just acknowledge that that presence and that kind of invitation to take hold of that strength and take hold of that hope
0: i don't normally do this but when i was preparing this song it just kept coming into my mind I felt like it says what I feel like we might want to say to God. So, it's an old one, you might not know it, It doesn't matter. Just allow the Lord's presence to
2: sit with us and dwell with us. Standing here to testify Sing of how you changed my life I was bound by hate and pride Never knowing of your life Did not think I could have peace Strapped inside by fear and shame Wiped away all of my grief When I believed upon your name Come to the light as you are, you can be the friend of God. Humble. friend of God, humble yourself, give Him your heart. So, going to give us a chance to respond, and if you want to receive prayer today, if this is resonating with you, Ellie had a word that um, just, there are some people who definitely feel today that they've been blown off course, and if that's how you're feeling and the Lord is just putting his hand on that for you, don't, don't feel judged or condemned, don't feel Discipline, but just feel loved and accepted,
0: and make a, a decision to put yourself back in the center of things, to come back to the light, come back to Jesus. It may be that today you need to make a specific prayer of commitment. And again, if that's you, we'd love to pray with you today. Any of the words that Paul spoke apply to you? You have a need. Why don't you come now? Why don't you step out? There's plenty of space here and we have plenty of time. And if you'd like to respond.